This is Coda Radio, episode 115 for August 18th, 2014. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. We have put a bill through the house the president has yet to sign. Oh, uh, he will. He's, that's because he's here hanging out at uh, the Jupiter Broadcasting Studios. He's a big Coda Radio fan. I'm sorry, I thought he was golfing. No, uh, he takes time out from golfing to come to Jupiter Broadcasting. Uh, it just costs a few million dollars, then he flies right back. He, <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Gives him time to interchange the celebrities out from the golf course, and then he gets to stop in and say hi to us all. And he gets, often, you know, he'll say, you know, I'll say, hey, uh, Brock, uh, Mike just called up. And he'll say, he's oh. a jackass. Oh, and I'll say, Brock, not at the top of the show. Don't do that at the top of the show. You save that for the second half you of know, the show. Fun fact, me and John Boehner's uh, son-in-law <laughs> were flying a plane from Jamaica to the United States. Are you familiar with John Boehner's son-in-law at all? Um, I'm familiar with Joe Biden's son-in-law, who now works yeah. at a Ukrainian gas company. Oh, no, no. you got to check out John Boehner's son-in-law. So much better. Okay, all right. I'll do it right now. I'll Google it right now. John? Let's, let's just Welcome Google to Coda Radio, everybody. <laughs> Boehner's. Hold on. John Boehner. Not Boner. Boehner. John Boehner, right? Boehner's yeah, son-in-law. Son-in-law. Oh, yeah, boy. It's already popping stuff up in the Google Auto yeah. Suggest. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, okay, hold on. I got something weird, though. That can't be right. Okay, hold on. John? Yeah, it's, a, it's a Rastafarian, dude. No, no, it's right. <laughs> Son in law. Okay, I gotta do that again. All right. Okay. What am I looking for here? Let's see. Uh, well, he, he, let's just say he's been accused of being in the import export business, allegedly. So I mean, it, that would only matter because John Brennan happens to uh, you know run the CIA, uh, which is uh, you know but an agency that is under some scrutiny these days. So hmm, an import Poor export bit. business, you say? Poor Mister Banner. Life is hard. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he's always got his buddy Diane to uh, to uh, keep him company, so that's good. Hey, uh, sure. Mr. Dominic, we got a lot, a lot to cover in today's episode, um, besides just John Boehner. And, uh, uh, that's John Brennan, not John Boehner, by the way. Oh, Brennan. Yeah, what did I... Oh, uh, Did I switch from Brennan, from Boner to Bennon? Brennan? Yeah, you, you went to the CIA. I'm oh, you know, I think I, think I I think I selected a Google... Uh, I think I selected a Google suggestion and it sent me oh, down. No, 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 you know no, what, so though? Much. It's okay. Both jerks. <laughs> Jerks. They no, 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 no. They are lovely people. Who, yeah, we appreciate them listening to the show. Hello, everybody. Okay. All right. Well, should we start with our email today before we get into our hoopla and topics? If we have to. Yeah. All right. Our first email came in from Matt with a question on object-oriented programming and learning it. Now, come on. This has got to be right up your alley. You love talking about this. So he says, "Hey guys, I've been listening to the show from the beginning." I says, "I really enjoy the show." Do you have any recommendations for learning object-oriented programming? I started programming in C, and I've really had a hard time finding a good introduction into thinking in a more OOP way. I want to get good understanding of the basics before moving into things like design patterns, etc. Thanks, and keep up the good work. So, Mike, any recommendations for listener Matt here? Yes. Um, 
so you could read the Knuth books. They're dry, they're boring, but they're good. Um, pragmatic programming's good. But if you want to be one of the cool kids, forget OO. Go at functional programming. Because then all you have to do is say your code is functional. <laughs> and you will make $10,000 more. Oh. Well, I don't, uh, you know, that's a lot easier than actually developing. For instance, if you're at a, a meetup and you meet someone who's a job developer, without any information about what they're doing, immediately say, well, that would have been better in Scala. And walk away. Yeah. You sound authoritative when you walk away. Sound authoritative. It's a punctuation. Well, the other thing is the, the odds of the person knowing the object-oriented variant of their language is very low, right? Because mm-hmm. object-oriented programming, around since the 70s. This more functional stuff, sure, has its roots in, again, the early days. But really, you know, it's really a fad right now, right? Um, in my experience, um, in almost every job at some point, uh, we ran into a developer who does just say it works and calls it good, and it actually doesn't work. So you're right. You can't actually just sell code doing that. I don't know why all these people bother learning, to be honest with you. Yeah, really. I mean, you know, I would say get a hat, like a magician's hat. Yeah. Get some note cards. Write some buzzwords on that note card. And if you don't wear glasses, get some glasses. Get some glasses. Go to job interviews. Yeah. Start picking out buzzwords. Right. Uh, object orienting is a good one, but you know that's that's kind of old hat, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think you could do better than that now. I mean, if you could be like a functional cloud developer, I think you'd be in great. Shape. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. Something that is a, a functional uh, on-premises cloud integration specialist with a hybrid fun- focus in Java. And uh, emerging cloud technologies. With proprietary and open source technologies. Yes, yes. And a trilatical thinker who analyzes upcoming trends and plans for the future and builds a scalable infrastructure that will meet the demands of your growth. With both schema compliance non-SQL databases. And adaptable for any size of device ready for the future. On Windows-powered Linux machines. And ready for the Mac in two years. You just made $125,000 right out of college. Good job. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Matt. Hopefully that will help with you, sir. And uh, he is doing some reading too, which is also a good direction yeah, to go. Check out the Knuth books. Check out uh, Clean Code. And uh, actually, I really recommend everybody Mike Gunderloy's Coder to Developer. Check I don't believe you. Read it. Well, believe me, you cock. Whoa. Inappropriate? <laughs> Can I argue with yourself, Mike? Come on. All right, so Nathan writes in, and uh, he he's responding to our uh, package management discussion we had about uh, package management on the Mac in uh, Code Radio 114. He says, hello, Chris and Mike. Texas Linux user mentioned package management on the Mac. One option to consider is the package source framework. It's PKGSRC and the pi- package binary manager that's included with it. He links us to PKGSRC.org and also some of their GitHub pages, which we'll have links to in the show notes. And in the same vein... Uh, uh, listener Rock Craze submits chocolate, chocolatey nugget. I'm sorry, chocolatey nugget. He says, I don't know if you've mentioned this tool on the show before, but I thought it was really interesting. It's a program for Windows developers. I thought of it when Nougat was mentioned on the show, and I guess this is also like a, uh, a package manager for Windows yeah. boxes. So, so this basically ties into Nougat for Windows developers, right? Yeah, you know, as usual, the Windows guys are a couple years short and a dollar. Wait. Oh, ouch. But true, I would say. Right, they're you know they're just getting into the command line. Which, by the way, SSH keys on Windows are a nightmare. Yes. Um, no, but this is pretty cool. I've actually used it. Uh, Chocolatey. It is quite literally a package manager based on NuGet, which is weird because NuGet's also a package manager. But. Yeah. 
Um, but it, it, for people stuck on a Windows box, people who prefer a Windows box, this might be a great. I mean, this. Well, I just can't imagine using a daily operating system that doesn't have a package manager. Sounds crazy to me, but I guess turns out people do it, Mike. Turns out. Well, it's not that bad. If you can just install a reasonable package manager, you're fine. So uh, Rick writes in. Uh, he's got a question about finding. Boy, we are we are cranking through these. He's got a question about finding your ideal client. He says, "Hello, Mike and Chris." I could not help but question what type of clients you keep getting. If you're going to have to end up suing each other in order to get one to pay up or bite the cost of the project, my question is how does Michael go about finding his ideal clients, the ones that will actually call you the next time they need a software project? Thanks, Rick. I will call Rick when I know. (laughs) Yeah, huh? I mean, especially when they're cold calls. Those are really hit and miss. So any customer you get is going to have baggage. Like some of that baggage is that they're cheap, right? Uh, some of that baggage might be that they're paranoid, that they've been ripped off supposedly before. Um, some of it might be they just don't respond to emails in a timely fashion. Like, you're never going to get the perfect... It's like dating. You're not going to find the perfect girl or guy. Right? right, but also like dating, sometimes if the recommendation comes from someone you trust, whose opinion you trust, then sometimes that client has a better potential to be a better long-term client. You know, the f- referral right. system. So it's, it's kind of degrees of horrible, right? Yeah. I mean, one, it's one thing not to get an email for a couple of days that you need an answer to. It's another thing for them to just disappear when an invoice is sent. And the other thing that's difficult when it's the referred by a friend is sometimes you feel pressured to give them a discount because, yep. yeah, and that's never good either. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little hit and miss. Yeah, it, what really comes down to is it's a, it's a factor of a lot of things. What's the state of the economy? How much baggage does that client already have? Are they going to have a hard time paying you? And so then is that when you're going to have issues is when it comes time to get paid? Uh, and some companies, you know, take that very seriously. I've, I mean, I, I would say I've had more good clients than bad clients. But, and yeah, think, definitely and, more good than bad. Yeah, but, and, but the bad stand out exactly. a lot more. Though. That's the thing. And the bad ones you kind of like, uh, you, you know, you reel about later on. You think about it and you think about it and think about it because it's like, boy, how could that have gone differently? And you kind of play it over again and wonder if it was, you know, what you could do the next time. And, and that's good, too, because you want to avoid ever repeating that same mistake, obviously. I mean, I would say that the worst type of client is the one who obviously can pay you, but they're trying to show off to their upper management mm-hmm. to try to extract more value out of a fixed scope project, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that uh, we had the option, see, we're lucky. I, when I say we, I mean IT contractors. And a lot of times, because the way the business, the way the business will often think of development is that's a project. That's an initiative we're taking on. The way they'll think about their servers and their web servers is this is infrastructure, this is foundation, and sometimes that that difference in mindset is enough to make it culturally acceptable for the IT contractor to go directly to, if the company's the right size, directly to the CEO, directly to the chief operations person, right almost to the top or the very top, the owner, something like that, because... They consider it to be, A, such a cost center that they're hypersensitive about, and B, such an importance factor to the continuation of their business, the continuity of their business, that they're willing to sort of engage on that directly. Not for all things, but initially for usually the establishing of the relationship and and major purchase initiatives and things like that. You know, as an IT contractor, I'll often have direct – you know, I'll be be talking to the owner because I'm talking about – this piece of equipment's $25,000, this piece of equipment's $50,000, and my time for this is going to be $5,000. And, you know, the, when you get to those kind of numbers, you're like, okay, yeah, the boss has got to so, uh, sign off on this. And that often makes um, some of that issues around getting paid uh, sort of cleared up because you're, you're not going through the layers of bureaucracy where people, like, get an attaboy for saving a buck. You're going right to the boss. 
Yeah, it's always that situation where, you know, just from my experience for development contracts, it's always someone, or not always, but sometimes it's someone's first project they're being trusted with on their own. And, you know, they can't be happy with just a successful project that's on budget, right? Mm. They have to find a way to do one better. Right, to pull a a Scotty maneuver and get in under time and under budget. Or even, you know, oh, well, can't you just throw this in at the last second, right? Right, yeah, I got them to give on this. We were going to have to pay for that, but I just had them throw that in. Yeah, and that's usually where, you know, in the past, we've been very accommodating on that sort of thing. Uh, More recently, it's fitness in the ass. Mm. So we've kind of been much more strict. You know, if you think about it, if you work at a company and you're trusted to manage a project with an outside vendor, part of that is managing the relationship, or it should be, right? So attempting to walk all over the vendor is not in the company's long-term interest. Mm-hmm. Right? You might get them to cave and give you you know, a little tweak for free, right? But the next time they come to bid something out for you, they're going to charge another 10 grand just because you're a pain in the ass, right? Like that's, <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It's, you know, it's funny because at the end of the day, it always, to me, comes down to common courtesy. Like, will you pick up the phone? Will you respond to an email? Or if I tell you not to call me past 8 o'clock, please email me. Do you me. respect that? Yeah. Will you respect that and, and use you know email rather than phone calls? Right. I mean, one of the worst things that's ever happened is someone tried to call, called me, and then did an impromptu conference call. That's the worst. Sort of like ambush tactics. Like Those are the kind of things that make sure if you ever come back. I've had that. Where are we at on this, Chris? You know, this has been down. We have been able to take orders all morning, and uh, we have a lot of people here who need to get this back online. Can you give us a status update on this? Right, they've literally dialed four people in. Right, or they're all they're all in the meeting room and they've got it on speaker. Right. So and and you know it's one of those things where if you ever wonder why your vendor immediately you know raises the price on the next module or the next project, think about what you did. Right. Yeah. Very like, true. Yeah. Uh, all right. Why don't we take a break right here before we get to the next email, which is a fun one and really cool to see what some folks in our community are working on. I want to tell you about something you can work on yourself over at linuxacademy.com slash coders. Linux Academy is sponsoring the Coder Radio program because they know a lot of you out there are in the position of considering doing contract work. You're in a job now where you want to expand your skills, or you're ready to just sort of intellectually stimulate yourself, or just kind of check in and see where you're at, or you want to follow trends. We talk a lot about following technology trends on Coder Radio and pick, figuring out where to stay relevant and where your actual interests and what new things you might be able to get into. Think about the possibility something like Linux Academy could offer you. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. That'll give you our special discount. And here's what Linux Academy is. It's an entire – it really is an online school. It, I would say it is an entire academy of – Everything from Linux step-by-step courses for administering a Linux box, building a software infrastructure on a Linux box, then going all the way up there to things like OpenStack and virtualizations and core concepts, and also building applications on Linux, building applications for Android. OpenStack, they have all the entire Amazon Web Services platform. They're adding all courseware to that constantly. It's a huge area of growth at Linux Academy because they're always adding new stuff. And what you get to do, is you get to go to the linuxacademy.com slash coders, get the special discount, and then pick and choose what's going to stimulate you, and then expand your skill sets in those areas that appeal to you. You can take step-by-step courses. You can download their comprehensive study guides. Listen to them offline. They have video and audio. 
you can test yourself. They'll give you time estimates. They'll give you a track of your progress. You can go back and see how you've been doing. Time breakdowns of each course, you know, how long it's going to take. You've got a little bit of time. You can do the stuff that just takes a little bit of time. You want to invest an entire afternoon? You can do that. And when the courseware gets to a point where you need to do something in production, they'll automatically spin up a VM on the back end for you and make it integrated with the courseware. They have seven plus Linux distributions you can choose from. The courseware automatically adjusts to those Linux distributions, which is super neat, and gives you the opportunity to try out your skill sets on other distros if maybe you've been primarily a Red Hat person. Now you're administering an Ubuntu box or something like that. They've got a whole range of options. And check out their OpenStack Essentials. It's 100% complete with lots of great content. And their AWS certified SysOps courses now have over 14 hours of content you can watch. It's really awesome, too, because they've been doing Q&A sessions live with people. So you can ask the educators directly what your question is. They've got a great great system where you subscribe and when you go to linuxacademy.com slash coders you're going to get 20% off. When you subscribe you get access to their community resources. You get access to all of the courseware that they have at any time and all of the new stuff that they're adding every single week. It's really a way to make yourself a little bit better and you can do it in the time that you have available. There's not a lot of things in our lives we have control of but bettering ourselves intellectually is one we can go take advantage of right now and you can do it in the time you have available either a lot or a little linuxacademy.com slash coders and a really big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program okay Mr. Dominic get ready for this next email it's always fun to see what the community has been building and uh, what they could build with HTML5 on top of that so Garrett writes in he says hey guys a friend of mine and I are working on a game we call Hextris it's an HTML5 canvas game and it's been ported to iOS, Android with your favorite phone gap. The game site's over here, and he links us to it. It would be great if you'd check it out. And as always, your shows are awesome. He's also a listener of Lass and TechSnap. So he linked us to it, Mike, and uh, here it is. It's called Hectris. If you're watching the video version, I'm playing it. And we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. It's really simple. It's just right-left controls, and uh, these color bars come down. And you're like, oh, okay, this is not too bad. And then you kind of like, wait a minute, am I supposed to match these color bars? And it starts to get pretty hardcore. And it's a little bit like Tetris. Uh, a little bit like hex shooter too. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! 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 See, I've already screwed up. I've already, I've already screwed up. I did way better earlier. Oh no! Oh, I've done a bad thing. Oh no! No. Okay, good. Chris, Chris, Chris. Oh jeez! Oh jeez! I've really screwed the. I did a lot better last time. Oh no! This is why you don't play on it. Okay, 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 okay. There we go. Oh, that's not good. That's that's terrible. Doesn't this look like a great game? All HTML5, huh? You know, I played it in my desktop browser earlier. It was pretty good. I didn't realize that it was on mobile as well. Yeah, you using your favorite. I love PhoneGap. PhoneGap is a great piece of technology. Of course. So, uh, anyways, thanks, Garrett, for sending that in. If you've got a project out there, you're, we'll see. I want to see what happens when I... Oh, there we go. I got 93 points. You're going to lose. That's cool, though. That's really cool. Uh, Hextris. E-H-E-X-T-R-I-S. So, sort of like Hextetris at uh, .github.io. And uh, we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. Yeah, it's like Super Hexagon plus Tetris. Exactly. Chat room's got it. So, uh, Mike, we have uh, we have an email on uh, TypeScript. I don't know if you want to get into TypeScript today because we've got um, a couple of, like, we, got, we, we solicited a couple of responses. And we got, like, one really kind of longer one that sort of surmised, like, a lot of couple of smaller points. Well, let's hear it. All right. So, uh, so maybe maybe to start... Uh, I'll say, let's see, it was, it was sent in from Charles, and we, we've been planning to kind of talk about TypeScript a little bit. You guys are probably familiar with TypeScript, the Microsoft's, it's Microsoft's answer to Dart, really, wouldn't you say? I don't know. Some people say that's not true. 
I would think it's Microsoft's solution to the JavaScript problem. You know what? I got a suggestion, actually, now that I think about it. You know, I could play the first couple minutes of this uh, of this build intro video that sort of, it, in like two minutes, it summarizes why Microsoft made TypeScript uh, and what TypeScript is supposed to do. So I'll play this and then I'll read uh, Charles' email. Does that sound good? Excellent. Okay, here I go. Let's see. Do I have it? Wait for it. Wait for it. Uh, 18 months ago, um, and uh, TypeScript basically is... The answer to feedback that we've gotten, in particular over the last five years, that writing large applications in JavaScript is hard. JavaScript, the language, was designed in three weeks back in the mid-'90s uh, as a quick answer to, to Java. Uh, was never intended for, by Netscape. and was never intended for more than 100 or maybe 1,000 lines at, at most. And now people are, with regularity, writing 100,000 or even million-line apps in JavaScript. And it's hard to write these large apps because JavaScript doesn't have any of the concepts that, that we need for structuring large apps, such as classes or modules or interfaces or static typing. Um, indeed, the lack of static typing, I, I think, is, is in particular uh, a, a hard problem. If you think about what it is that powers modern IDEs that we've all come to know and love, things like statement completion, refactoring, find all references, go to definition, et cetera, et cetera. But below all of that is knowledge produced by a compiler that reasons about static types in the program. Um, and without any static types, it's very, very hard to provide a meaningful tooling experience, and it's almost impossible to do refactorings that are safe, you know, and, and gradually these large JavaScript code bases end up sort of being read-only. You know, you dare not touch anything once they get to a certain size, and all you could do is sort of hack around what, what's, what's already there. So, so as we thought about where to go with JavaScript tooling uh, a few years back, um, we thought, wouldn't it be great if we could strengthen JavaScript with these things that are missing, like classes, modules, optional static typing, but do so in a manner that doesn't actually compromise the key value proposition of JavaScript, which is it runs everywhere on any browser, any host, any OS? And the answer to that is, is TypeScript. So TypeScript is markety speak, a language for large-scale application JavaScript development. Technically, TypeScript is a typed superset of JavaScript that compiles back to plain JavaScript. There you go. I think that's a, a good spot to stop the video. You can watch the entire video uh, uh, in a link in the show notes. But I think that was a good kind of summary of what TypeScript is and why Microsoft created TypeScript. So, Mike, this might get you thinking because Charles wrote in, and he says, here's my problem with TypeScript. I'm less, uh, I'm less firm on the position of keeping JavaScript on the browser. <clears throat> is it truly a good language? It is truly a good language with some powerful features and plenty of words, but the language doesn't have the standard support of parallelism, and it lacks standard APIs save for definitions of standard objects. I don't think JavaScript can, can have a place in both a server and a desktop, uh, oh, he says, I'm sorry, I do think, but I think that Node.js is absolutely the wrong solution 
to absolutely the wrong problem. I'm of the opinion that JavaScript desperately needs to be divorced from the browser. It needs to be separated and standardized as a more general purpose language with a proper platform library. And I think we need to put an end to silly things like CoffeeScript and TypeScript compiling to JavaScript. What I really want to see is a standard, standardized bytecode on the browser so we can use entirely different languages. I want to build Lisp or Haskell directly to bytecode. I don't want to compile to JavaScript, and I don't really want to use JavaScript in the browser. That said, there are some great projects out there that allow you to use one language on both server and the browser for the, side, for the application side of things. It's fine if Microsoft wants to use TypeScript for app development. HP's WebOS did that to some level of success, and they made it work pretty well. Writing apps in JavaScript or similar languages is perfectly fine so long as you have a sane platform API. The W3 DOM is not a sane platform API. So there is so he seems to have a philosophical opposition to TypeScript. Like TypeScript isn't the answer. JavaScript in the browser and having that having these etc problems is the problem. What do you think, Mike? Is TypeScript solving something that is not really the is not is not really the correct answer to the problem? So I Yeah, so I, I think you have to define the problem a little better. Is is the problem that JavaScript is uh, you know, it, it, for instance, notice solving the problem of, you know, event-driven development, parallelism, blah, 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 boring crap. Nobody needs that much scale in the real world. Great, right? Microsoft is solving the problem of C-sharp developers don't get JavaScript. Or Visual hmm. Studio doesn't work well with JavaScript. Hmm. And, and maybe that's a little bit of an oversimplification. I mean, one thing that stuck out to me was he, he said that the IDEs had problems. Well, Ruby's not a super static language, and RubyMine is just fine, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, JetBrains has RubyMine, PHPStorm, um, PyCharm. They don't seem to be having this problem. Good point. So I'm not. I'm not sure that their premise of you necessarily have to have static typing to have IDE features is... It's true. Having said that, I'm a big static typing fan. But um. I've also heard it lobbed that uh, TypeScript is for folks who don't want to learn JavaScript, and people should just learn I, JavaScript. I, I, yeah, and you know, I always felt that CoffeeScript was kind of like the Rubyist lazy way out. Well, right? and that you know, a lot of people have said that TypeScript is essentially uh, CoffeeScript for C sharp. Yeah, or or Microsoft's answer to Dart. So therefore, TypeScript is an answer to CoffeeScript. Again, like in particular with Dart, I think Dart is a question seeking an answer or an answer seeking a question, right? You know, is your is your problem that JavaScript's, you know, threading characteristics and performance aren't up to snuff? Well, that's one question. That's one problem to solve. Is it that JavaScript is hard to maintain because it doesn't have things like namespacing stuff like that, or is it that JavaScript is, according to Microsoft, hard to develop tools for because it doesn't have static typing? I mean, I think that's a pretty weak argument. Of all of the arguments that people have made against JavaScript, that's probably the stupidest, right? <laughs> like, let's, you know, at least the Rubyists say, well, JavaScript is ugly, so CoffeeScript is prettier and easier for us to understand. Fine, right? That makes sense. I think it's a dumb argument, but, it, but it's more logical. Hmm, okay, uh, okay. The, the, you know, the Dart guys will say, well, yeah, okay, so Dart compiles into JavaScript, but if you're on Chrome, it runs in the Dart VM. is is a ton faster. Right. We think everybody should go with the Dart VM because the Dart VM is powerful, and you know Dart is a lot like Java, very similar to a lot of developers. I think that's a fair argument. 
I don't think Dart, again, I don't think that's the right solution. But, you know, there's a logical flow to, to Google's argument there that I think anybody can follow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the argument Microsoft should have made, but it's probably too patronizing to their own developers of C-sharp developers just don't get JavaScript, right? Or, I mean, listen, or they don't want to, maybe not get it, but they just don't feel like it's worth their time. Maybe. I mean, if you look at Objective-C and Swift, Swift exists because Objective-C is hard, right? I mean, maybe that's what TypeScript is. TypeScript is the is the Swift, the easier version. Well, yeah, I was. Is it is it uh, is it HTML's Markdown? Ah, uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I think that's a harder argument. Okay. I just wondered because the way it sounds like it. I mean, okay. When I was when I was reading up on TypeScript, to me, it, it did sound a little bit like. Uh, um, when I when I learned that uh, what is what does Facebook do? They write their site in PHP and then uh, compile it down to something. And I can't remember what the details were, but I just remember uh, was... at one point. I don't know if this is still true. They they had a PHP to C plus plus compiler. Right, that's what it was. And then they would then compile the C plus plus and then run the C plus plus. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. And yeah. I I remember at the time thinking, what that is so backwards and or you know, I, but. It's not. It's not entirely a new concept. I mean, it's, it's not, not insane, right? Yeah. Because you're getting the advantage of the higher level language, right? But when you're that big, you know, every iota of performance matters. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of if you think about the remember when Twitter a couple of years ago was having all those problems. A lot of that was because you know, Ruby is a great language for mid to somewhat large style businesses, but once you're Twitter scale, it's not freaking fast enough. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, they ended up replacing a lot of it with the JVM. And I'm not sure what they're currently using, but at one point they were straight up using Java. Um, you know, where does that leave? I mean, again, that's a different problem, right? That's performance. And I, I don't, you know, how, how performant do we think we're going to get JavaScript? Like, well, that's what I, and, you know, the chat room and our emailer, Charles, said, you know, let's take JavaScript out of the browser. Um Right, so that's the argument saying let's let JavaScript stand on its own two yeah. legs away from the DOM. Yeah. But l- let me ask you this: uh, you know, let's get a room of twenty developers and say, all right, you can write this in C sharp, Java, or JavaScript. Which do you want to write it in? Yeah, and I can tell you right now, JavaScript is the last on my list. It's right? one of those. It's one of those practical things too. It's like, yeah, you could do a lot of things. Like I also saw an article over the week, uh, over the weekend. Like, well, what if we reset the web and never had advertising? Like too freaking late. Yeah, t- exactly. Yeah. It is too freaking late. It's too late. It's too late for all of this stuff. And w- the reality is, is that Chromebooks are selling like a like a mo, and everybody's got a browser that can run JavaScript. Everybody. What computer in made in the last 10, 10, 15 years can't run JavaScript? I mean, d- maybe to various different degrees of success in a browser. So here's, but I'm here's talking my specifically, issue. Here's my issue with the writer's argument. No one wrote JavaScript because they wanted to write JavaScript, right? Everybody yeah, I do, yeah, I do understand who's, got, that point. who's gotten into JavaScript yeah. got in because they yeah. freaking had to. And that's why I think maybe right. – um, all right, well, hold that thought because I actually – I think that's, that's where TypeScript to me seems right. like out of all of the different options out there, the most practical and – and you know, like who knows what's going to have long-term success? But if one was going to, I think maybe because because of those reasons, TypeScript could be it. But first, before we discuss that, I want to thank DigitalOcean, sponsor of the Coda Radio program, and an awesome, awesome location to go get your own cloud server 
up on a server that you have root access to for only $5 a month. Let me tell you about DigitalOcean and why you'd want to have a cloud server there. It's, it's great, too, because... <clears throat> You could use them for back-end infrastructure. You can use them for your projects. You can use them for testing, learning. It's, it's such an awesome resource. You know, we just talked about, too, things you might want to do on your own. Like last week, we mentioned GitLab. This is all possible at DigitalOcean with unbelievable value. So a little bit about DigitalOcean if you're not familiar. They're a simple cloud hosting provider, and they're dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in about 55 seconds. Some of you even less. And pricing plans start only $5 a month for 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer connected to tier one bandwidth in data centers all over the world. DigitalOcean actually has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and now a brand new data center in London. But here's the best part. The interface, it's amazing. It's so intuitive yet very, very powerful. And power users can replicate DigitalOcean's functions on a much larger scale with their awesome API. And you're seeing a lot of great apps out there for the Mac desktop and for the Linux desktop that allow you to control your DigitalOcean droplets. And I hear about great ways. This is an example of how awesome our audience is. There's, the technology that DigitalOcean is built on makes getting things up and running really fast. And our audience has taken advantage of that in some really cool ways that have actually even helped out the network. A uh, couple episodes of, let's see, Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday's episode of Tech Talk Today was lost due to recording error. And after that happened, fans of Tech Talk Today, several of them, went out and set up DigitalOcean droplets recording 24-7 backups of our live stream all the time. So if it ever happened again, we'll have a file available. Then, then, like Seth, set up a BitTorrent sync of all of those recordings that could sync to a server here at the Jupiter Broadcasting Studios so we would have a local copy of them. And he's running that all from his DigitalOcean droplet. And if you use the promo code CODERAUGUST when you check out, you can get a $10 credit. If you try out the $5 rig, that's going to be two months for free when you use the promo code Coder August. Coder August, one word, lowercase, over at digitalocean.com when you check out. Give you the $10 credit. Run the $5 rig for a couple of months. Try a few things out on it and be amazed at what you can do and be a little disappointed in yourself. Just a little disappointed in yourself for not trying it sooner. Digitalocean.com. Use the promo code Coder August. And a really big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, Mike. So one of the things I noticed in my reading up about TypeScript is it seems like when you're uh, using it, you could kind of intermix TypeScript and JavaScript, which to me seems appealing. Like you, Chris, the more you lie to yourself, the more we worry about you. What are you talking about? No, it's true, but... Is that not true? <laughs> was, I, was, I, was I reading a book of lies, Mike? It was the book of lies. Holy lie. crap! Yeah, well, it, it, it was more a book of poetry that lied to you, written <laughs> by someone named Satya Nadella. Oh, okay. So you're saying it's a little bit of a uh, Satya Nadella dream? No, so the idea is that you could you would take your existing JavaScript and use them as uh, like modules into your new code, right? And like you said, JavaScript, nobody nobody really loves writing JavaScript, right. It, right? So you take something like TypeScript, you make it a little nicer, you make it interoperable, it it, it builds down to legit uh, JavaScript, right? I mean, that's all we're all cool with that. What, what's the downside here? Well, I mean, seriously, what's the downside? What what's what is the downside other than I'm not learning JavaScript? So. Okay, there's a couple of downsides, right? One is TypeScript is a language that A, isn't very popular. B, is controlled by one vendor who maybe, maybe not isn't the most 
let's just say historically standards compliant. All right, let me break it down right here, though. But A, B, flip it around. It means it's backed by a company that's got an S ton of money, which means it's not just going to be some open source project that disappears right away. Number two response to that. TypeScript today, maybe it's CoffeeScript tomorrow. I still don't have to learn JavaScript. I'll just learn one. If I don't like it, I'll learn the other. Never going to have to learn JavaScript. Problem solved. All right, well, let me hit you back with that. You are going to have to learn JavaScript. What happened is the JavaScript that your TypeScript compiles into doesn't work, and you don't know why. Oh, shoot! I know that's the that's the gotcha, isn't it? You it's still the end same, up. It's the same problem as CoffeeScript, right? It's awesome yep. until until yeah. the abstraction breaks yeah. down. You still end up having to learn answer. JavaScript because yeah. you got to go troubleshoot. <laughs> I mean, this might be me. You know, again, I, you, and I are a little bit of a curmudgeon pair here. Mm. This type of abstraction worries the shit out of me. Curmudgeon. Um, like we've been using Xamarin a lot. You know, I'm still a little like amazed at how well Xamarin handles the abstraction. Right. Like this but, shouldn't be working. Right. Historically, you know, Xamarin's the exception, not the rule. Right. right? Yeah. Extractions tend to suck. Is Phone this... sucks. Yeah, okay. Sorry the... No, I mean, that's been a fair observation. Is yeah. this a new generation of abstraction? Right. Have abstractions gotten significantly better? And, and certainly, I mean, I, you know, I have tried things like Xamarin that have, you know, the... I, I mean, we've all tried this kind of stuff, right? JavaFX, all these kind of crazy, right, once run anywhere things. Um, Xamarin's better, but I'm not sure that I'd be willing to, particularly on the web, right? We, we have tried this so many times before on the web, <laughs> like, and it's failed every time. Yeah, this is, I think, some of our cynicism where it comes from. Like, part of, part of what, why I think Xamarin works is you only realistically have to care about, you know, the two most recent, recent for, I'm sorry, recent versions of iOS and three or four versions back of Android, right? Beyond that, you just don't care, or you shouldn't care, basically. So you get away with it. On the web, there's all kinds of crazy shit people have on their computers, all kinds of weird browser configurations. Like, mm-hmm. you know, fine, if you're just targeting WebKit and Chrome, yeah, you can get away with a lot, sure. But if you, you know, if you lay that opera shit on me, or if you lay that, uh, hell, IE, right? I mean, again, TypeScript and IE are probably going to be real nice together, but... It, I, this might be a case where I've been burned too many times. I wonder, okay, not to get on the Microsoft bashing yeah. train, but is it also because it's a Microsoft technology? I'm not trying to say anything, but if this was an Apple thing or if this was a Google thing or... I'm sorry, sorry. I would not use an Apple web service or cloud service. Okay, all right, fair <laughs> enough. All right, an Amazon thing. Or I don't know, I mean, yeah. Yahoo. Let's say, I don't know, some company other than I Microsoft. I took a look at Dart for a couple months, and I even wrote some non-significant stuff in Dart. So... You, Maybe you're right that, you know, I, I see Google more as a web vendor, and I guess right. I trust them to do a better job. Well, and isn't also the web doing well more in their better interest, so it's almost self-serving if they make something that is good for the web like that? Well, it's also because the, the ambition for Dart was a little more ambitious, right? We're going to replace JavaScript. Right. And not just JavaScript, the language with this cross-compiling crap. We're going to replace it with the VM-based, um, you know, pseudo-JVM style thing. To, I think they called it the Dart VM. Yeah, all TypeScript yeah, is doing is the CoffeeScript cross-compiling thing, and that's not that impressive to me. And and that to me is is the worst kind of abstraction, right? It would be like if Xamarin just compiled your code into Java and Objective C, and then you had to just deal with that. Right? At least Xamarin compiles it into the proper JIT for Java and the proper uh, assembly on the iOS side, mm. where you're not just I don't know. I hate to give such a soft answer, but it feels dirty. Like this sort of thing feels really 
really lazy and really dirty to me. Especially if you're someone who's only doing it because you don't have the stomach to learn JavaScript. Because one day something's going to happen and you're going to need to dig into that generated JavaScript. And do, it's going to suck. Do so. you, uh, do you, boy, boy, you're, I, I, this is not the way I was expecting a TypeScript conversation to go. Oh, you thought I'd be super positive? Yeah, I did. I really yeah. did. I was expecting to be like, uh, let's go, let's do this. And I was going to, my, my question to you is going to be like, why this one? <laughs> well, I don't like, see, I don't like JavaScript either. I think, see, I think this is a problem of legacy and, and, um, you know, the web certainly needs a language and a platform that is more traditional, more C-sharp, Java-style, object-oriented kind of development. Um, I just don't think we're ever going to get it, or at least not soon. And to be fair, the direction the market seems to be going in is, you know, let's bandage over the pain of JavaScript. Yes with frameworks like Ember.js and Backbone. Which and I, is, I think that's why we'll find out if TypeScript was the wrong answer to a problem or the most practical answer to this problem. Well, the thing is, you know, we're using, we're using frameworks at fingertips, and, and that has basically ended this argument there. Oh. Because the frameworks get you to a point where you have enough structure in your code, regardless of which framework you use. Cause they, I mean, they're all a little different, but they all impose some sort of application logic, some sort of structure that it's less of a hot mess than it would be if you were doing straight DOM JavaScript. Hmm. Hot mess. <laughs> there you go. There's my uh, there's my youth colloquialism for the day. All those uh, youths. Yeah, nice, nice. Huh. Well, I would be curious to know what the audience thinks about TypeScript. Any experiences out there? And all anything we've talked about, really. I'm sure people have been sitting there listening and going, Wait, I, 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 what? No. You know what I'd like to know? Has anyone shipped anything for a customer or an employer or a client in production with TypeScript, where TypeScript was yeah. actually a significant part of the app, right? What a great where, question. Yeah, that's, that's what I want to hear. Or, or Dart. I mean, I know people. Right. No more theory. Right. Did, did anyone, did you risk a lawsuit? Did you risk your job? Right. On one of these new technologies? Because, I mean, again, me, me and Chris are like the GOP over here. We're just like, nope. Wow. You know, and I'm sometimes a risk taker, but then sometimes I look at it and I go, eh, I don't think so. I don't think so. So I, it depends. And this one just didn't blow my skirt up. And I even stepped right over the vent. I was a little disappointed. Can I get a picture of that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I took lots of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, I want to leave folks with uh, a little a little knowledge about how they can get a hold of us. CoderRadio.reddit.com. Did you know about that? CoderRadio.reddit.com. Uh, also, you can email coderadio jupiterbroadcasting.com. I've even made it easier. You just go to Jupiter Broadcasting. It's new. I added it like three years ago. Click the contact link and then uh, choose Coder Radio from the drop down. And then guess what? It You don't even have to remember coderadio jupiterbroadcasting.com. You know why? It just t- takes care of it for you. You could even, you could even if you wanted to think that maybe there was like a person sitting behind the other side of that screen sending it to the right place, that'd be fine. I'd let you think that. I'm not going to tell you it's not that. Uh, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover today? Nope. <laughs> nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope. we're done. All right, live Mondays, noon uh, Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, jblive.tv. You can hang out in our chats and fail to uh, suggest titles for our show like this uh, chat room has. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then, and then sit around and wait for me to insult you at the end of an episode. Why wouldn't you want to join us on that experience? So head over to jblive.tv. And I don't know, Mr. Dominic, did you have anywhere you wanted to point people throughout the week? Uh, 
let's check out larbucks.com and for the love of god if you're going to tweet me please please don't tweet me gifts oh does t- twitter supports gifts now uh tweetbot does oh yes yes well i mean they got to keep up with the g pluses oh, are, are you do. even using g plus anymore no i hate g plus oh okay good it's, it's a bunch of open source hippies wow except for unless you make a linux app then you're gonna love it right yeah okay all right all right everyone well you can find me on twitter too i'm twitter.com slash chris las i hope to see you right back here next week thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of coda radio